If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. We're studying and preaching through the book of Mark, and I'm amazed that uh, this passage of Scripture is right on time, I shouldn't be, with the Sunday school lesson that the Lord laid on my heart about Paul's prayer for the church. And uh, one of the points was that we ought to pray for more faith and that th that faith should bring uh, perfection in our life or a maturity in our life where we can have fruit that abounds, amen? And uh, boy, Wednesday night was a blessing. I tell you what, my son-in-law preached about a five-minute, ten-minute message on uh, worship heals you, and I really got a lot out of that, and then I got to finish Ecclesiastes, and uh, I thought I finished, but I got one more message I'm going to preach this Wednesday on the fear of God, but um, I, I, it motivated me to go out yesterday and yesterday afternoon and, and, and visit, and some of you are here that I visited, and I appreciate you keeping your word and being here. That's a real blessing, but you know, worship does heal you. The worst thing you can do is get isolated in 2019. That's the worst thing you can do is stay home when you feel bad. I'm talking about not bad physically. I hope if you have a fever, stay home. Brother uh, Joel's filling in the gap back there. Brother um, Cody's got a fever, but I bet he's still listening. And, um, uh, you know, stay at home. Don't come to the nursery with sick kids, et cetera. But if you're, if you're feeling bad spiritually or emotionally, that's the best place to be is in the house of God. Amen? Because the devil wants to isolate you. And he wants to frustrate you, and he wants to whisper to you the lie, nobody really cares about you. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Everybody cares about you that's right with God. Amen? So Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41, is, uh, uh, is a very unusual thing that takes place. In verse 31 through 34, he talks about why he preaches with parables, earthly stories with heavenly meanings, and puts that earthly story next to a heavenly meaning, and so you can uh, uh, get the message, amen, with, a, with an illustration. That's why I use a lot of illustrations, because our Lord did. But if I had a title for this message, I'd like to entitle it The Master of the Wind. I hope to sing that tonight at our watch night service, uh, but I don't think I am because I'm short of breath because of this uh, congestion, and so uh, I don't think i got much wind to do it. But he, he is the master of the wind. Miss Elsie made me uh, take that song and sing it. Uh, after a funeral I preached in South Carolina, one of her dear friends, and I never have stopped singing it. But um, I'd like to title this message, A Flooded Classroom. A Flooded Classroom. You know, if God cannot teach you a lesson by you hearing it, He'll have you go through it. I'm talking about through it. He'll send tribulation and storms on purpose to teach you and to develop you into the Christian you ought to be, and increase your faith. You know, sometimes trouble's cause of sin, and sometimes trouble's for a miracle. You know, God will heal you or whatever. And sometimes it's for conditioning, but it's always for conforming. Say amen. It's always to make you more like Jesus, and we ought to react like that. Amen. And so the master of the wind's in the boat, and uh, this has been a long and difficult day for the Lord. Uh, the event started in uh, Mark chapter 3 and verse 20. He uh, was confronted by the Pharisees that uh, accused him to be being demon-possessed. In verses 22 through 30, and then his friends and family thought that he'd gone crazy and they tried to kidnap him. That's chapter uh, 3, verse 21, and, and then verse 31 through 35. So said, won't you come home and you're just overdoing it. And Jesus also taught the people about parables 
and spent a lot of time with the disciples on faith. Well, during those days, Jesus sat in a little boat in chapter 4, verse 1, because the pul- made it a pulpit. And when the day was over, he called his disciples to set sail to the other side of a, a little lake uh, or a little river. And when the darkness fell, the disciples were making their way across this little lake. I'll give you the, uh, the dimensions of it in just a minute. And while they guided the boat, Jesus lay fast asleep. Now that's a great portrait of the Lord's humanity. He was so tired, and you'd have been so tired too if you'd have went through what he went through that day, that he was asleep. Some people say that he was just uh, faking that he was asleep. You know, he was sort of peeping out one eye, seeing that those disciples were going to react to that storm the way sometimes we react to storms. And that means we just panic and we're pitiful instead of praying and praising. Well, they did panic. They'd never seen a storm like this. And folks, I want to tell you something. This storm changed their perception, not of storms, but of the master of the wind. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God, verse 35. And the same day, chapter 4, and the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even... As, as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. I wonder what happened to those little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. I mean a mighty storm. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship. That's where the pilot is, by the way. Asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What matter of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey his voice? You may be seated as I pray, Father. Thank you for this morning. Thank you, dear God, for the strength to be here. I pray for those that are homesick, those that are in the hospital. Uh, God, those that are making arrangements as loved ones have died. God, those that's going through trials and tribulations and storms, I pray some way, somehow, they'll get this message. And God, we pray that the message will be a message and not just an outline. And God, that we'll see that you are the master of every storm in our life. And God, help us not to waste the storms, but God, help us to let it develop us into what you want us to be through the storms. And we'll praise you and thank you for what you teach us this morning and how you convict us. And we need to trust you no matter what. And we'll praise you and thank you for what you teach us and what you, what you uh, help us to see. And that's to see you more clearly this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. There's four miracles that Jesus proving to the disciples that he's Lord. This is the first miracle. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. He, there's miracles about demons, the Gadarean maniac next week. And he was streaking through a country yard, a country graveyard, didn't have a lick of sense, demon-possessed. And he, he, he didn't come to his right mind until he got saved. 
and he's sitting at Jesus' feet. But this storm was raging. I mean, it was a bad storm. Uh, I want you to notice, first of all, in verse 37, the power of this storm and the suddenness of this storm. There arose a great storm, the Bible says in verse 37. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Folks, there was a suddenness about this storm. See, the Sea of Galilee, the sea is an unusual body of water. Uh, it's relatively small, 13 miles long. It's uh, 7 miles wide, but it's 150 feet deep in some places. And the shoreline's 680 feet below sea level, and because the Sea of Galilee is below sea level and surrounded by a bunch of mountains, it's accessible with some great sudden storms. The wind sweeps across the land, comes up over the mountains, and creates a downdraft into, over this lake. And combined with thunderstorms that appear suddenly over the surrounding mountains, the water stirs into violence, and sometimes the, the waves will be 20 feet high. Well, that's the way life is. I mean, all of a sudden we're going along and everything's hunky-dory, pardon the expression. Everything's fine. I mean, it's calm, but then, oh, then, the bottom falls out. There's a sickness. There's a prognosis from the doctor that you'd never imagine in your life. There's a call about some tragedy that's happened because somebody was somewhere where they shouldn't be and being with the wrong people at the wrong time. You thought it might happen, but you know, everything was going good, and everything was calm, and everything was serene, and then the bottom falls out. Anybody ever been, been there, done that? Amen? Most of you have. You know, we ought not be uh, uh, surprised about that, because the Bible says in John 16, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Folks, uh, the fact is, we're headed uh, three places today. We're either uh, in a storm, we're coming out of a storm, or we're about to go into a storm. Say amen. I know y'all came all the way on this last Sunday of 2018 to hear that encouraging news, but there's a lot of storms in life. And folks, it was severe. The ship was now full. You know what that was saying? These experienced fishermen that had been through a lot of storms and some terrible storms, they were panicking. They were pitiful. And they were wondering why God did not care. You ever been there? Don't answer that. The violent storm of that night. It caught them off guard because, see, on the Sea of Galilee, usually those storms came up in the afternoon. <clears throat> they usually will come at the night sea. But I'll tell you something, folks. When storms of life come, they're often severe and they're often causes anguish and pain. And, and there's three reasons why we have storms. Listen to me now. You're going to need this. You might not think you need this, but you're going to need it. Number one, storms are caused by suffering. It blows on our life and devastates us. I mean, folks, listen, I never thought I'd get old. I thought I'd die trying. But, uh, folks, you know, I don't move as fast as I used to be, and I don't recover from colds even as fast as I used to. I'm not trying to be pitiful here, but it's just a fact. You know, it stays with you a little longer. Can somebody say, oh, me, or amen, one? And then there's the storms of sorrow. 
Someone you love is called away by death, leaves you grief-stricken and, and shook to the core. And sorrow touches every life. So there's storms of suffering, there's storms of sorrow. But let me just say also, there's storms of sin. You know, the Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chasteneth every son whom he receiveth. Now, I want to tell you something, friend. If you sow sin, you better pray for crop failure. Can somebody say amen? Because I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I want to tell you something. There is a storm coming to the backslider, Jonah. There's a storm coming. Y'all been through it. Some of you have been shook to the core. But praise God, it brought you to your knees. Instead of waving your fist at God, you opened your heart towards God. So storms come and storms go, but I want to tell you something, folks. We need to master the wind during the storms. I've never been able to go through a storm by myself. Some people are scared of storms. I mean, they're scared of storms. They don't even have a basement. They're so scared. Amen, they want one. And folks, a little cloud gets up, man. They're looking at the radar, you know. They're really, you know, and I think you ought to. I don't think you ought to play golf when it's lightning. Amen. <laughs> I don't think you ought to be in a tree stand when, it's, when, it's, uh, when the storm's coming, do you? Uh, some good sense, you know, get out of the rain. But praise God, folks, I want you to see not only um, the uh, severity of the storm, I want you to see the source of the storm. When the storm comes, especially on this Sea of Galilee, it could be that it was for natural reasons because of where it was. But it came at night, and that was extremely rare, so all these experienced fishermen, I mean, these men that had been through many, many storms, it caught them off guard, and God wanted to drop their guard. He'd been teaching a lot on the mustard seed. He'd been teaching a lot on faith. And folks, they just wasn't getting the lesson. And in verse 39, the Bible says, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. So when Jesus calmed the storm, he was saying, be still, hold your peace. In Mark chapter 1, verse 25, that's the same word that he, that he rebuked the demons. He said, be still, be still. He commanded the demons to be quiet. And so folks, sometimes there's natural reasons uh, that we have um, storms, but sometimes there's satanic reasons. The devil sends storms in your life. Sometimes the storms are our fault. Sometimes God sends storms when you're right in the middle of the will of God. See, folks, Jesus told them to go across the sea. They were in the will of God. He even went with them, thank God. You better hope God's with you when you go through the storms of life. Sometimes he does this to discipline and draw us closer to him and always to make us more like him. There's always of our, every storm. Every storm is to make you more like Jesus. Everyone. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and called according to His purpose. All things means all things. Storms included. That we might be more like Him, verse 29. Every storm is to make us more like Him. And every storm can be sent by the devil, but I want to tell you something. I know somebody that can handle the devil. His name is Jesus. And the devil tries to take the storms and depress you, disgust you, and even get you to doubt God and say, Lord, do you really care? Do you know where I'm at? 
then I want you to see, second of all, not only the power of the storm, but I want you to see in verse 35 and 38 the problem of the storm. The problem of the storm. Look at verse 35. And the same day when the evening was come, he said to them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Look at verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow, probably the pillow that the, uh, the pilot put his knee on. And they awaked him and said unto him, Master, carest not that we perish? And I'll tell you something, there's a problem here. And I won't say this, and I won't say it very clear, and I want you to get this. If you don't get nothing else out of this message, I want you to get this. The greatest storm of that night was not on the Sea of Galilee, but in the hearts of his disciples. The storm on the sea whipped up a storm of doubt. It threatened to drown them all. But folks, the greatest and the most horrific storm was that it was rousing their hearts to doubt God and not to see God. Number one, they doubted His goodness. Carest not? Carest thou not? Look at, look at that. Carest thou not? Verse 38. And folks, I want you to know that the, they accuse the Lord of not caring. And a, lot, a lot of times we don't say that, but we wonder where He is and why did you allow this? He's a compassionate, good God. And Jesus can conquer the devil, disease, and depravity by just saying the word. But sometimes he allows us to go through the storm because he wants us to come nigh to him. And he wants to teach a lesson in a flooded classroom. He wants to teach a lesson not with parables but with problems. Folks, they doubted his grace, number two. Carest not that we perish? Remember, it was Jesus that sent them across the sea. It was Jesus that had talked to them. It was Jesus that loved them. And I want to tell you, the Bible is still the Bible. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, 5. Disciples had a Bible. They ought to, they ought to read this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. All of you memorize it, but I want you to underline it. Circle it in yellow and say praise God in the column. But it says in Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a promise from God. And folks, I want to tell you something. The word leave means to let sink. The word forsake means abandon or desert you. When the storm is raging and your boat is rocking and reeling and taking on water, I want you to know it's absolutely critical that you believe that God's still committed to you. And folks, I want you to know that a lot of times we feel forsaken. and We feel lonely, but I want to tell you something. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, that His grace is sufficient. We can pray three times like old uh, Paul prayed and he must not have been charismatic or he'd been delivered. <clears throat> and the Lord said no, no, no. Three times. He has a right to say no to your prayers if it's not his will. And he said, I won't tell you why. Because in your weakness, I'm your strength. <clears throat> and so Paul changed his prayer from begging for healing. And he said, most gladly rather than I'll just be weak. 
or I'll just be sick, or I'll just go through this storm, <clears throat> that you might get the glory. And then third of all, they doubted his guarantee. Not only his grace, but his guarantee. The Bible says, let us pass over to the other side. <clears throat> Folks, he had already told them and gave them a promise that he, they were going to make it. And they forgot it. And folks, don't ever forget this. God's promises are sure and steadfast. He said we're going to make it. And we're going to make it to heaven. Not by our strength and not by our works and not by some ladder we climb, but by the grace of God we're going to be in heaven. And folks, so there was a problem of the storm. Uh, there was power in that storm, but there was a problem in that storm. The problem was the disciples' hearts failed in their area of faith. And he just told them that. He just showed them miracle after miracle. He'd healed <clears throat> Peter's mother-in-law, raised her up, <clears throat> several miracles. And then we see, last but not least, the purpose of the storm. That's what I want to dwell on just for a few minutes. Look at verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What matter of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Folks, I want you to see they made some discoveries. Number one, they discovered something about his power storm that was so terrifying, so overcoming, and the boat sinking, folks, he calmed it. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in his word. And there's power when we put faith in God, not faith in ourselves to paddle through and bail out all the water. Folks, the Lord we serve is the same powerful God. He said he'll He'll never leave us or forsake us. But he said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I love Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verse 20. Would you turn there with me? Please turn there. Please, please look at your Bible. Don't trust my preaching. Trust the word. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. A powerful promise. A powerful insight that the disciples need to get. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. The reason I say that is I'm trying to find it. Amen. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible says this. Let's go back to verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, personally, that believe? That's how you get it, active in your life. According to the working of his mighty power. Here it is, verse 20 which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he set him on his right hand of God in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all the things of the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Folks, I want to tell you something. There is no storm that's greater than God. And there's no storm that God cannot intervene in. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if you don't believe it. Ask Daniel in the lion's den. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. They discovered 
that there was a powerful God riding in the boat with them. You ought to discover through the storms, there is a powerful God that is with you. Number two, they discovered something about His promises. Just as He said uh, in this verse, He said, let us pass over the other side. And He still keeps promises. Folks, praise God, He's not slack concerning His promises. That any should perish, but that He's willing that all should repent. And be saved. He's not slacking his promises that he'll not give you grace that's sufficient when you feel like dying. Or you feel like it's over. Or you feel like the boat's full of water and it's sinking and there is no hope. I believe when those disciples, those fishermen, ex-fishermen came back to Jesus, they said it is over. Lord, do you not care? And they discovered that his promises are still true. But they made a discovery also about his presence. Look at verse 36. It says, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awaked him and said unto him, Master, carest not that we should perish? Folks, when the Lord is in your vessel, you've got a great advantage. You know, you know, he said they were, they were with him, and there were other ships. I don't know what happened to the other ships, but I know one thing. This ship had a passenger like no other passenger. This ship had a captain that like no other captain. This ship had a pilot, and he, and he knew where he was going, and he was resting in the will of God because he knew he wasn't going to get killed in a boat. He was going to be killed on a cross because he was destined to go to the cross to die for your sins. And so, folks, we're safe with Jesus. Amen? We're in good hands, not with all state. But we're in good hands with God. Say amen. And then they made a discovery about his purpose. You know, he did in chapter 1 and 2, he was talking about uh, belief and faith. And uh, he healed the leopard, cured Peter's mother-in-law, cast out demons, healed the guy with palsy, forgave sins. I'm sure he could take care of the storm, they should have said. But they forgot it all. I mean, they, they flat panicked. And don't you look at them like they're some low-rate Christians. You've done the same thing. You screamed out and said, Lord, do you really care? And folks, he was using the storm and the boat as a classroom. And God uses storm to develop your faith. He'll teach you, and you'll come to a church like this that preaches the Word of God, teaches the Word of God, but I want to tell you something, friend. Where you'll learn the lesson better than ever you'll learn the lesson is when you're going through it. I mean, even when you can't listen. Mark chapter 6, and verse 48 through 51, uh, another storm comes up. And he's not around, but he comes walking on the sea. Amen? And what, was, uh, what, they, were, uh, what they were under was under Jesus' feet when he come walking on the sea. And folks, the lesson in that uh, boat experience, in that class, was that even when you can't see him, you can't feel him, he's watching and working on your behalf. Amen? Sometimes I can't feel him. I'll be honest with you. I'm a very emotional person. If you've been around me any time these years, you know I'm emotional. I don't apologize for that. 
because God dried up my tears for several years, and I pray God give me tears back, especially when I'm witnessing somebody's lost and going to hell. But I want to say this, folks, you can't depend on mercy. It's a very emotional thing when God moves. I think you ought to not fight emotion and not think that everybody's crazy because they might be emotional. But folks, not, not everybody that's not emotional is not spiritual. You can't, you can't determine how much uh, gas is in the tank by the two of the horn sometimes. Amen? And it's not how high you jump, it's how you walk when you hit the ground. Say amen. So I don't, I don't, I don't class people by their emotional makeup. I've just, I've, I've just lived in a family where I didn't have any choice but be emotional. I was an emotional wreck when I was. But anyway, when you can't see him, you can't feel him, that next, pair, or that next uh, miracle in Mark chapter 6, he's there, and he's watching, and he cares. And if you'll trust him, he'll show up just in time. Amen? God's always on time. Some of y'all not. Some of y'all have never been on time in your life. And don't blame it on your wife. You're the driver, praise God. Just leave her. No, not really. Uh, I didn't say that. Mark that off the tape, Joel. But, uh, you know, a lot of times, friend, we think God doesn't care. And God's not going to show up. If you just, you, just, you just wait. Sometimes it's divine delay. I can't understand why Brother Gary hadn't got a livery yet. I mean, there's no man that loves people more and loves to preach more than he does. And he's probably sitting home with four blankets over him and a heater at his feet, freezing to death. Just got out of the hospital again. And I, I, I sometimes said, Lord, what's the, what's the delay? Well, God got his time. I couldn't understand, Miss Trudy, when they flew that liver in from Savannah or wherever they flew it in. I'm not supposed to say, I just did. And, uh, and, they, and it fogged up in the middle of December. They had to turn around, they lost the liver. I, I didn't understand that. But you know something? God didn't call me to trace him, God called me to trust him. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to do when your little girl gets sick. When your little boy gets sick, when the baby gets sick, when mama dies, when daddy dies, that's a storm. And I want to tell you something. Some people shake their fist at God and they quit church. They get bitter at God. Folks, okay. And then somebody offends them and they get bitter at God. Folks, that makes about as much sense as getting mad at your father when your sister offends you. Wasn't your father that hurt you? Wasn't your mother that hurt you? So many people turn on God when He don't show up on their schedule. And I want you to see they made, they made, a, they made a great discovery about His purpose. That His purpose is not to hurt them, but to grow them. Now get that. His purpose was not to hurt them, but to grow them. And we need to trust God to do the right thing at the right time during our storm. And then number two, they made a discovery about his peace. And number four, when they were fretting and fearing, I almost entitled this message, Stop Fretting and Fearing and Start Having Faith. But I didn't. But when they were fretting and fearing, 
what the Lord was doing or what they thought God was not doing. He's sleeping. Why? He knows he's in the center of God's will and he knows those disciples are in the center of God's will and they need to trust him like he's trusting the Father. And they did. And Folks, I want to tell you something. Nothing rattles God. I mean, all this stuff you're going through, it didn't take God off guard. Matter of fact, he allowed it. And folks, what we need to do is allow God to do his perfect work of maturity and faith and love and holiness in our life. And that's the last thing they learned. They discovered about his person. Look at the last verse. And they, by the way, verse 40 is the bad fear. Verse 41 is the good fear. He said to them, Why are ye fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Where faith begins, fear ends. Now my wife sometimes looks at me because I don't, I don't fear anything. I mean, I, I probably do, but I won't admit it to y'all. And I won't admit it to her. And there is some things I do fear. I learned this day before yesterday, don't get on a hoverboard and don't try to exit it from the front in a hardwood kitchen. Don't do it. Just don't do it. I ain't going to tell you what happened, but don't do it. My grandkids dared me, and I did it. So help me, I thought I broke my left arm, and I thought I burnt the, the wall where my head hit it. My hover days are over. I promise you that. I saw it this morning or last night before they left. I said, maybe I'll try that one more time. And my wife said, don't you do it. I said, no, I got to get back up on it. I got I to gotta prove to that. And you ain't got to prove nothing. You got to prove you got good sense. Don't walk back in the storm. <laughs> but I want to tell you something, folks. They discovered a whole lot of things about themselves. But I want to tell you something. They discovered that, hey, there's no need of fearing. And he rebuked their fear. Folks, you're in God's hands. You're in, he's with you. If you're in the will of God, you're immortal until God's finished with you. You hear me? you're in the will of God, you're immortal until God's finished with you. If you're out of the will of God, there is a sin unto death. You could die today. Just go out, hey, go out and drink and rabble rouse and whoremong and everything else, and you might not make it through the day. Go ahead and take drugs, you might not make it through the night, because it is not the will of God for you to do that junk. Say amen. But I want to tell you something, if you're in the will of God, and you're serving God, and you're in the ship that He told you to get in, and you're going in the direction he told you to go in, and you're going to the destination that God designed, then I'm going to tell you something, folks. Everything is going to be all right, and he's going to work it all together for his good. Don't fear when the storms come up. But fear him. Look at verse 41. And they feared exceedingly. Two different words. There's the fear that's faithless, and then there's a the fear that's full of faith. They reverence God. They said, he's, it's, it's the master of the wind that's in the ship. He's God. He's been preaching to us. He's been performing miracles. He's a miracle worker. Lord, cares not that we perish. Sure he cares. He always will care. And he knows exactly what he's allowing you to go through. If you'll only see him. Because here is the greatest lesson they learned. 
Look at verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? And even the wind and the sea obey his voice. He learned that he's the one that controls every puff of wind that comes across your face. Every angry wave and every storm. He's good to have in your ship. Say amen. And so folks, the flooded classroom, the stormy classroom was an old boat going across a short lake. And they realized that he's still the master of the wind. If you're going through the storm of suffering, he can ease your pain. He might not relieve your pain, but he'll give you grace to bear it. Say amen. And that sometimes is a greater miracle than just alleviating the pain. Sometimes it's the will of God for to heal you of cancer. Praise God, Miss Nancy. Sometimes it's not. And I believe the greater miracle is when he gives you grace. To not pout, panic, or be pitiful, but to praise him as a God of grace. And then the storm of sorrow. He can comfort your soul. He's the only one that can comfort your soul. Brother Chris and I were out knocking on doors. I said, I need to go by this certain place and visit a lady that's heart's broken. Maybe she'll come tomorrow and find that worship heals. Folks, I want to tell you something. There is no comfort like God's comfort. Hey, I'll just say this and go on record about it. There's no comfort like God's church. The world don't understand what you're going through. And they really don't have time for you. If you're in a real church, and I mean you're really in fellowship with one another, they hurt when you hurt. And they love you and they help you. And maybe they won't know what to say, but they're there. And they'll cook a meal. They'll send a flower. And they'll come and sit weep with you and love you and even hurt with you. I feel sorry for people that's not in the ship. I feel sorry for people that are distant from God. Because when the storm comes, who are they going to turn to? The other little ships? Mm -mm. Because he's not in those ships. He needs to be in your ship. The greatest classroom you'll have is the classroom where he's the teacher. And he's not only the teacher, he's the preacher. And he's not only the preacher, he's the master of the wind. And then maybe there's a storm of sin. He can deliver you from that. He's the convictor. Greatest day of my life is when I realize the Holy Ghost is my convictor. Not some other preacher, not some other Christian. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit can convict me when I ain't right with God. And then I can repent and I can feel that storm of guilt and that storm of loneliness and that storm of despair. Peace 
be still. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That means He umpires in your heart. One of the greatest blessings on this earth is the peace of God when you're right with God and when you're not right with God. It says, you're out. There is no peace. I don't care how many songs you hear in the country, yokel, local, gospel quartet. It won't give you peace. I don't care how many services you go to and the preacher's just eloquent and wax eloquent with great and the worship team's up here and the orchestra's playing, the choir's saying, you won't have peace. The only time you'll get peace is when you hit this altar and say, dear God, I got sin in my life. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And thank you for convicting me. And you hit yourself, hit this altar, and you lay down before God and say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I want to tell you something, friend. This is a gospel truth. I'm not just preaching. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> Your ride home will be sweeter. Your wife will look sweeter. <laughs> Woo! Praise God, I'm getting in trouble. The dogs back home will bark sweeter. The food will taste sweeter. Life will be calmer. Why? Because you recognize who he is. You recognize who you are. When you get right with God, you have peace. There's no peace to the wicked. There's no peace in sin. And there's no peace in this world. You need to hear from Jesus say, peace, be still in your storm. And listen. And go to him. Don't accuse me of not caring. Just say, Lord, would you help me? And you might just get up and say, peace be still. And the waves will lap down like a little dog. And the wind will cease. And the sunshine will come out. And you'll say, I'm so glad I'm in his boat. He's still the master of every storm. Father, thank you so much for this couple hours we've had together. Thank you for the Sunday school lesson that you've worked me over with. I thank you, dear God, for the wonderful choir special. You're still on the throne. I thank you for Brother Randy's special that touched my heart. Lord, I thank you for the worship of your people. I just thank you for your people showing up. It sure has encouraged me this morning. I'm looking forward to being with them again tonight. Now, not just supper, but around the fellowship of the Word. And dear God, I know there's storms coming this year. And I can't think of another, a better message to preach than, Lord, you're still with us. And you'll always be with us. And that you really care. And that you love us. Enough to allow us to go through the storm. To not destroy us, but to develop us into a prayer warrior. To a person that cares when other people are hurting. And to being just more like you. 